Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Like experiences are a distinct economic offering where you use those experiences as a raw material to guide people to change. It just makes you realize how much data everyone's going to have and what they're going to be able to do with it. Are they going to use it for just cutting costs or are they going to use it to create time well spent or time well invested? You want to get beyond that to provide at least time well saved, right? Then the time well spent of experiences. And then the highest level is time well invested. Hi, everyone. We've got two special announcements today. One's really good, and that is Ryan's not with us. Um, <laughs> he's <laughs> Ryan's having new leather patches applied to his uh, jacket because he's a professor, and that's what you have to do periodically, apparently. But hey, one of my favorite guests is uh, going to appear with us on the show today, and that is Joe Pine. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Colin. It's a pleasure to be here with you when you're Ryanless. <laughs> I'm I'm Ryanless and rudderless <laughs> because he's not here. Anything to do with the letter R. So, uh, for those of you that don't know Joe, I don't know where you've been for the rest the whole of your life, but uh, Joe wrote the seminal book on customer experience, the experience economy. Back in, no, I always get this wrong, Joe. When it was, I know it was 1999 was the book. 99. There you go. Yeah. So that was the original book. When I read it, I thought, bloody hell, this is really great. And um, the, rest is, the rest is history. So welcome, Joe. A few weeks ago, I was chatting to Joe. And the great thing is that Joe and I have known each other ever since the beginning, basically. And we've, we chat periodically. And I was reading one of Joe's articles and we put a, we had a discussion on it on the podcast a few weeks ago. And then I thought, you know what, I should just reach out to Joe and let's get him on the show and talk to him about it. And this, it's a, I think you call it time progression, don't you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, progression. Yeah. So I think this is really significant. And I think that when you start to sort of dig down to some of the nuances of it, I think it is really an important thought. So I want to dig into that in a bit more depth. But for those of you that haven't read the article, we will put another link in the show notes to the article. And for those of you that haven't listened to the podcast, previous podcasts, do you want, Joe, do you want to just sort of outline what the concept is? Sure, sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll give a little background that I don't really do about where the concept came from which is with my um, a colleague, Dave Norton, the, the founder of Stone Mantle and Insights Consultancy. And I work with him in these uh, collaboratives to develop consumer insights and then help companies uh, develop experience strategies off of those. And we've worked together since, actually in 1999, since the book, the Harvard Business Review article came out, Welcome to the Experience County, in 98. He read that. He lived here in Minneapolis at the time. And we've been working together, you know, uh, periodically, uh, you know, ever since then. And he introduced this term to me once, 
that he called experiences time well spent. He even wrote an article for uh, Strategy and Leadership Journal, which I'm on the editorial board, about time well spent. And and I thought, well, you know, it's a nice term. I can see I can see that it really is what experience is about. That because with experience is what people do is they value the time that they spend with you. Sure. Right. That's the key. They're, it's time that they're buying. That's why. That's why you want to charge admission or charge a membership fee or charge some way of charging for time because that's what your customers value. You know, eventually every company has to align what they charge for with what their customers value and with experiences. That means time. And obviously time is like the most valuable commodity. The way I like to put it is the most precious resource on the planet is the time of individual human beings. And so it's why understanding the nature of time in your business is so important, uh, where one of those options is time well spent, where you shift up to experiences, you engage people, you get them to desire to spend time with you, you want to spend time with them, and that's what creates that memory. And, that, and you therefore need to design the time so that you have a dramatic structure that rises up to a climax and, and comes back down again. Four or five years after this, I was doing an engagement in Spain for Ford Motor Company. And it was for the announcement of one of their um, cars there. It was a car that they didn't have the same model in the U.S. And the, the I was working with, well, you may know these folks, Imagination in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? They designed the original Guinness Storehouse and other things, right? Great, great company. So they've, they've often hired me over the years to do, do speeches at, at special events for, for their clients and that. And this was one time. And, and one of the imagination guys, uh, Paul Cowan, before I went on, uh, he talked about how, how it offered time well saved. And as soon as I heard that word come out of his mouth, time well saved, I immediately paired it with days time well spent. And I went, okay, now, now this really sings, right? Because it's to recognize that services are time well saved, right? Time well saved. That, that what people are asking you is do something for me. Do something so I don't have to do it, right? I don't have to spend my time on it. I want you to spend uh, you spend your time on it. Do it better than I can do it myself, right? Even if you look at some services like legal advice, right? Well, I could always go to school and and become a lawyer and then be able to do it myself, but it's like that takes way too much time. Let me give it to somebody who's already spent all of that time. And even many goods, you know, we often talk about appliances in particular as time saving devices and so forth. Right. So the, so the bottom half of the progression of economic value by commodities, goods and services uh, is about time well saved. Right. And in fact, people want goods and services to be commoditized, to be bought at the lowest possible price and the greatest possible convenience so they can spend their hard earned money and their harder earned time on the experiences that they value. Right. And that's that time well spent. Right. So you have this basic dichotomy, I, you know, in the experience economy, you may remember the tables we had with the, here's all the distinctions between all the yeah, um, yeah. economic offerings. Well, this is the core one. This is the one. This, this is the one now that summarizes it all as time well saved versus time well spent. And it always I mean, whenever you and I have spoken in the past, I, you know, I've always sort of said, well, you're a different sort of part of the market to me in the sense that you're more on that time well spent part of the market. But the key is, I didn't articulate it like that. I felt your stuff was more experiential, whereas my stuff was more operational and nuts and bolts. And But it was when you when you said to me, well, the difference is time well spent and time well saved. And I thought, yeah, that, that's a bloody good way of 
put in it, basically. Right. And time well saved is great, right? That, that you're saving my time. It's a wonderful thing. It's I'm not I don't want I don't denigrate it at all. I'm just merely describing what it is. And in fact, most of what's called CX, most of making things nice and easy and convenient, and that that new byword for CX that Shep Hyken loves, frictionless, right? Again, great stuff. But it, what it does is get you great services, right? And and not a true, distinctive, memorable, personal experience. Uh, and that, and that for me is as I've been thinking about it. Is that, you know, so you basically put convenience, frictionless, easy under the banner of time well saved. Right. Obviously, the outcome of all of those things is you're saving time. The interesting bit for me was, and I started to think about this, I was thinking, and I'll be interested in, in your view, I don't know of a company who measures customer time. They measure the hell out of how long the agent's spending on the phone. They measure the hell out of how long it takes to do a delivery, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know anybody who could say that to place an order with us to raise a customer complaint takes X amount of customer time. And therefore, you know, we should try to save that customer time because customer time is valuable, as, you're, uh, as you've said, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, for me, is just such a big bloody hole. Have you, have you come across any of that? Not quite exactly what you're talking about, but close. A company that's gotten rid of measuring uh, time in a positive way is, is Zappos, right? Uh, Zappos, the, the shoe web shoe retailer and other items that was bought by Amazon for a billion dollars many years ago, they what in their call centers, what they do is they don't measure average handling time. Sure. Right. AHT. They don't measure how little time we spend with customers. They don't they don't think being productive is having is spending less time with customers. They recognize the value of spending time with customers because they recognize it's not a one period model. It's not about this phone call, right? This phone call is part of a larger relationship. Yeah, but if you revert, so I ranted on about a UPS delivery I had a little while ago, okay? Uh, well, the, actually the reality was that I didn't have a UPS delivery. Uh, <laughs> it was meant to come, but it didn't, okay? But the only reason I raised that is because I think that UPS would be shocked if I physically added up the amount of time that I spent trying <laughs> to resolve that, that issue. No. And it just made me think that, and again, you know, we've spoken about moving to a more sort of proactive experience. And when you start thinking about just that word proactive, okay, that hopefully means that you're anticipating what the customer's going to do or will do next and do it before they even know about it, okay, which results in, guess what, the saving of time and therefore, you know, becomes more valuable, et cetera, et cetera. Well, is it, you can look at, at companies like McDonald's and many others, you know, started with banks and ATMs that moved towards self-service. And they, they pushed activities, they pushed work onto their customers to get things done. Menu ordering at McDonald's, for example, my wife and I were in the other day and just trying to figure out the menu since we're not used to it yet. But what it does is it also, it commoditizes yourself. 
right? Because you lose the human interaction, right? And, and fundamentally, the experience economy is about human experience. And now we've lost that interaction with the teller. We've lost that interaction with the menu person. So my partner, Jim Gilmore, sent me a thing uh, that somebody sent him about how about how many an article in the New York Times, I think, about how QR codes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And, and, he, and he sort of said, you know, it's, it's just why, you know, why is it? Why are they so bad, basically? And my basic response is they're impersonal, right? You, If somebody hands you a waitress or a waiter hands you a menu, right, you've had a personal interaction. You're touching the same thing at the same time, right, which, which I, wanna, I, I don't want to overplay, but I want to say that is, in fact, significant, right? When one human being is touching one part of the menu, you take it from them. There is a human interaction. And when it's a physical menu, it happens twice. Right. Whereas on your phone, now I also think menus are easier to read and that sort of thing. But but that's a significant thing. And, and a lot of times when we want to say we're going to be more productive and how we're going to be more productive, we're going to get our customers to spend time up instead of our people is you're making it impersonal and you're commoditizing yourself and you're lessening the value that you create. Right. One way to think about it is, is I got this formula where the value you create and therefore the money you can charge is equal to the functionality you provide, whether it's commodity, goods, service, experience, what that basic functionality is, plus the net value of time, right? If you uh, waste your customer's time by getting them to do things, then guess what? The amount they're willing to pay you goes down, right? And that's actually the, that's actually the bottom level in the progression is time wasted, right? The worst thing you can do is waste your customer. And then if you provide time well spent, you get charged for the functionality and time well spent, you can charge a premium. So you you know of First Direct over in the UK. Yeah. You started off in telephone banking. They're renowned for providing a, a good customer experience. So when you contact them, they train their people to sense how free you are or how willing you are to have a conversation. Okay, so I guess the point I'm trying to get to is the value of time can change. So we're both busy people. If somebody tries to pitch me on something when I'm, you know, just about to do this, I've got 50 million meetings in a day, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. What First Direct do is they know that at weekends, particularly, that I'm personally going to be a bit more open to the, that type of thing. I've just got a bit more you know, time on my hands, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is it is also about understanding when a customer's time is more precious than other times. And that could even, I guess, apply to life in general. You know, a retired person's time is probably, you know, you could spend four hours chatting to them. Whereas somebody that, you know, a, a millennial with three kids or whatever it is, their time's going to be more pressured, isn't it? Right. There, there, there's a lot of anecdotes about elder people who are retired, who, in fact, call into call centers just because they want somebody to talk to, right? <laughs> and you get them on the line, you know, those, you get those calls where they're trying to tell you something and they won't let you go versus the other way around. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a human connection. And that's, that's whether it's over the phone whether it's even in a chat, you know, or live, it's a human connection and, 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 and you get, you're in the right spot. And yes, people value that. Hi, this is Colin. And I wanted to ask you a favor. It would really help Ryan and I, if you could spend a moment and complete a review of the podcast. 
Positive reviews help us get out to more people and we love hearing from our listeners and seeing what people have written. So please, just take a moment and complete a review. Thanks very much for your help. So going back to, because there's a third aspect of this as well, isn't there, which is, I think you called it time well invested. So do you want to explain what that that is? Yeah, so, so actually I call it the fourth act. So the, the fourth one, because the, at the bottom is that time wasted, right? And obviously it's a negative. You don't want to do that. When I draw it sometimes, I put a red line between time wasted and the other times, which are valuable. And so just to cap that off, just to, to know that that's, again, the, the time of individual human beings is the most precious resource in the planet. So you don't want to waste their time, but yet companies do it all the time. In the U.S., the, my favorite example is, you know, you go to the doctor's office or the, or, or the hospital, even the emergency room, and the first thing they do is they hand you a form to fill out of information they already have, right? You know, why, why are you doing this at this time, right? So... You want to get beyond that to provide at least time well saved, right? Then the time well spent of experiences. And then the highest level is time well invested, as you mentioned, where people are actually investing their time to pay uh, compound interest and dividends now and in the future, right? So these are not just experiences. These are transformative experiences. These are experiences that change me in some way, that, that help me achieve my, uh, my aspirations. So it's, this is an over, this progression of time is an overlay in the progression of economic value. So time well invested uh, corresponds to transformations, right? Services, experiences, transformations, right? The transformations like experiences are a distinct economic offering where you use those experiences as a raw material to guide people to change. Uh, Dave Norton and Jim Gomer and another colleague, Lance Betancourt, and I wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review last January, February called The New You Business. And it's about it's about how do you help your customers become the new you, whatever, however they define that. What is that new you and how do you um, get them to guide them is really the key economic functions. Like you deliver services, you stage experiences, you guide transformations. And, and basically any business in the business of helping people become healthy, wealthy and wise is in the transformation business. Right. And, and needs to go beyond thinking themselves as services where they do want to spend those time. Healthcare, you know, they think about how how everything revolves around the doctor. The doctor's time is the most precious thing in the world. They're the, the precious resource instead of the patients. And so they revolve themselves around that. And what do they do is they waste people's time all the time. They even have what's called a waiting room. Right. With, with the epitome of wasted, a waiting room instead of recognizing, no, let's invest this time. Right. So so maybe there is some time where the doctor can't see them. And then how do we invest that time in their own health and well-being? Right. That's a good thing. I just read something yesterday about concierge doctors that say their appointments are generally an hour, not 10 minutes. Right. Because they greatly reduce the number of patients that they have. So they can spend the right amount of time with each one. And that's an investment in their health, not a uh, not a not a waste of it. Yeah, so that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. So you would put healthcare under, well, preventative healthcare. So if I go for a checkup or something like that, you would put that under time well spent, I presume. Yeah. Well, even even procedures in that is that you know, I want to go from sick to well. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the transformation I want. I mean, obviously that's going to, that's a generic one. You're going to have particular ones, but all of healthcare is basically about uh, transformation. That is, and it's not just preventing things, but it's to having well-being or it's to um, recover from something bad that's happened, which often requires an extended time. Even things like 
let's say plastic surgery, right? Where I'm just sitting there, I'm unconscious and you're doing it, but I come out looking different, right? It is a new you, even though it may be, we can often think of it as sort of a trivial thing, but it's also the fact that what makes it a transformation is I have to learn to live in my new skin, sometimes literally, right? Live in my new skin, right? If I'm doing plastic surgery. Uh, and that's and that's also where almost all healthcare companies and almost everybody in the transformation business falls down, is they end at the putative transformation without recognizing, no, you've got to continue on. You've got to ensure that that transformation takes hold, that it lasts through time. And that's where like where I get comfortable in my own skin and so forth. Those that's part of the transformation process. Yeah, and I, and I love the uh, when I read the article, I thought your example of the waiting room is such a great example. I, I hadn't thought about it like that before. Uh, and, and it just made me start thinking about other areas. I mean, you know, both of us fly a lot. But if you listen to the airlines for long haul flights, you'd get there three hours before the plane takes off. And the amount of bloody waiting that happens around all of that is just incredible. And it just made me, it made me start to think of other examples of where effectively the organization doesn't care about your time they're just more concerned with their own efficiency rather than anything else and i guess a prime example of that is you know the classic somebody's coming out to fix the the heating or the air conditioning and they'll be there between eight and four o'clock you know you know the old uh, the old russian joke no what was that well, the guy's uh, air conditioning, right, Rud falls out and, and he calls the repairman. He says, OK, I'll be there. I'll be there in uh, uh, August 14th, 2027. <laughs> and uh, he responds, morning or afternoon? He says, well, what does it matter? He says, well, I, I got the cable guy coming in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. But but again, I think it just goes back to that. Uh, the important part of this for me is it goes back to the, that mentality, and it goes back to the the thought process of who is measuring customer time. It makes me then think about that from an AI perspective, and it makes me think about it. So as AI becomes more, and people use it to become more predictive it makes me think that one of the key ways of differentiating yourself would be to try to start to understand how much time a physical customer is spending doing something and what you could do to create a, a proactive experience. Right. Well, I can give you a couple examples of that. So one, uh, Carnival Corporation on their Princess Lines has this medallion class you know, vacation experience they do where they give every customer an IoT device, right? So this is it with the princess logo on there and they call it the medallion. And with the medallion, it basically, like your phone, it knows where you are anytime on the ship, right? So you can, all, you can always say, where are my kids, right? And boom, on the app, it tells you exactly where they are because they have their, they have their medallion. But then it can track how much time they're spending in places and they use that as a proxy for time well spent. Right. If you spend more time in this activity than average, probably you like it better. Right. It also could be something bad happened and take you long, but probably you like it better. If you spend less time, probably you don't like it as much. They can then make personal experience invitations to affect your mass customized itinerary of what you're going to do during your entire trip. And if you come again, 
they can set that better and learn even more about you. So they do have that time aspect built into it. And then also a, a friend of mine, a famous neuroscience uh, Paul, neuroscientist Paul Zak, uh, has a company called Immersion Neuro, and he uses Fitbit devices to measure effectively measure time well spent, right? He calls it immersion. I would tend to call it engagement, but but it's how how immersed you are in the experience, right? So it's like goes up and down, right? If I'm if I'm engaged and and lean, you know lean forward, it'll have a high measure based on the plug flow with your arm, which correlates to what's going on in the brain. And then if I'm bored and you know sort of sit back, then the measure will go down. And you can actually track and you can track all the customers across and be able to figure out exactly what's going on and where do you need to to spark something that would keep them going down to where they're not viewing it as, as, as time well spent. So there are ways to be able to go about doing that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm sure you have as well, but I've been looking into the whole area of AI and, you know, it, I was watching a video this morning, uh, 20 to, 200 tools uh, on AI. It's just mind boggling. With and, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is with all the data that you're just, you're referring to there and you think of apple air tags and your phone and you know blah 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 that can tell exactly where you are what you're doing and what you know it just makes you realize how much data everyone's going to have and what they're going to be able to do with it i think the key issue becomes are they going to use it for just cutting costs or are they going to use it to create time well spent or time well invested and i have to say my worry from the operational part of it is it's just going to go on the saving the organization's time rather than anything else. Right. And that, that's the mindset the executives go to, right? There's, let's save time. Let's automate. Let's get rid of people. Let's lower our costs instead of thinking about the value that they can provide. Dave Norton and I wrote an article in the HBR online in March. Are you, actually, it's called, Are Your Digital Platforms Wasting Your Customers' Time? Right. So, so we've got that aspect right in there. But we also talk at the end there about going from smart products to genius platforms, right? Smart products that, that can sense and respond, particularly around one issue, like my thermostat and so forth. Sometimes you get smart watches, they do many, multiple things. But how about something, a platform that connects to each one of those smart products, that understands the entire ecosystem, that does apply AI to not just sense and respond, but as you mentioned earlier, anticipate what it is that I want done and, and then vastly multiply the jobs that it can do for me, you know, where it feels like it's, it's giving me superpowers, right? That's what they, they can, they can do. And that's where I think we need to go. That's what for its, for its access set of being on vacation on a cruise ship and on, on the, on the land excursions, you know, the, the, the carnival's medallion is a great genius platform. So what can we do with that in healthcare? What can we do with that in financial services? And, and one of the things it takes is going from you know, all the generative AI that's going on right now, use what's called large language models or LLMs, right? They're basically scooping up everything that's on the internet, right? That's their large language model. But if you, what if you train it on a personal language model? What if you train it on all of my personal interactions with companies, with other people, and then use that to be able to take all that vast thing and be able to, to customize it, to really individualize it down to me? And be my personal agent, be my personal butler in everything that I that I want done, my representative in, you know, in the in the in the virtual world. I think there are there, there are scary possibilities there too, but there are uh, greater possibilities for 
or really enhancing that that whole time progression. To like so, so it won't waste my time because it handles things that don't need my time. It provides time well saved by doing things for me, and then it offers that time well spent of knowing exactly what I want at this moment in time. You know what I want from Amazon Alexa, right? Play some music. Well, where it plays music based again something you mentioned earlier, my mood. Right? What's my mood at this moment? How much time do I have? It plays music based on who's there in the room. It's not just me. It's me and my wife or our kids are over or our grandkids are over. And what what I want it to play differs each one. Uh, with broadcasters, what I want is, is I want one channel on my TV, the channel of what I want to watch right now. That's the only thing I want on there, right? And you figure out what that is, right? That's That's what I would like to get to. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Joe, as we come to an end, we always finish off these podcasts with trying to get sort of a bit practical. So if you were a listener listening to this and if they went off and you what bit of advice would you give them to go away and do what what would you suggest that they take away and think about? I think it's what you suggested. It's analyze the time your customers spend with you. Right. Figure that. Do do ethnographic research, do consumer insights, figure out what time are they spending you and then how do they value that time on this progression from time wasted, time well saved, time well spent and time well invested. And if you can move up that progression, you can create so much more economic value and that will yield uh, great value for your business. Yeah. I think you're you're right, and I love the I love the time progression. I think it's uh, it's uh, really good, uh, but I I think people will be somewhat surprised when they realise, particularly when things go wrong, the amount of time that people uh, spend uh, on doing things. So, Joe, as usual, we'll put all the links in the in the show notes. But if people want to get hold of you, then how best should they do that? They can connect with me on LinkedIn or they can go to strategichorizons.com. We've got a link. You can send me an email, but you can find all information uh, about me, about what we do, about our certification class and our frontline video training program. Uh, we've got a blog uh, there called Thoughts uh, that people can um, uh, discover and read you know, various ideas on, including uh, the most recent one I did, I think, was on the background of the Genius Platform idea, where that came from, like I told you, the background of where the time progression came from. Right. Great. Good. I, I've been on Joe's certification courses back in the early days. Mind you, I don't think it was certification there, but I don't know. Anyway, but they're really worthwhile going on to, so I would definitely recommend those. So thanks a lot, Joe, for having you on. Uh, the bad news is that Ryan's back next week, so but he has got some new leather patches, so we'll be fine. All right. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it'll be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.